hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to Comedy Filmers, episode 261. International flavor on this episode. International. 522. Two, halfway to 522. <laughs> <laughs> He's a loyal listener. Our guest is also a loyal listener. Uh, and a math whiz. Math whiz. Uh, you, there he, let's introduce him right out of the gate. I think He's so. been on the show numerous times. We've been on his show. He's here all the way from beautiful Sydney, Australia. And he writes for the site as writes well, one of the, the CFN site. writers. Uh, he's the first guest ever to ask for a beer. Yeah. <laughs> You're kidding. <laughs> you no. Know. You really are the first one. Yeah. You've yeah. had 261 yeah. and no one's ever asked for no. a beer? Well. 260 pussies. Yeah. <laughs> Let me yep. tell you guys, when you come over to this amazing studio, there's beer in the fridge. Yeah. Get on it. <laughs> well, he goes, uh, by the way, that's CJ Johnson, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I, he goes, oh, can I get some water? And I open the fridge. And he goes, was that a beer? Yeah. Was a beer? <laughs> like, like some kind of weird Australian radar. Yeah, he just... Because just, 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 he was faced the other direction. Yeah. He just, just, like, he just, that's right. It was... It was beep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But when you guys came over to my place in Sydney and I had you over for dinner, Chris, I deliberately got oh, you three I, very interesting beers. I did, and, and I yeah, enjoyed yeah. every single one. Nice. That was yeah, great. Yeah. That was so much fun in Sydney, man. That yeah, was, that was the awesome. The interview thing was, because I've been watching footage. Yeah. Um, and was just watching it over the weekend and those interviews of the fans that came into that theater. Yeah. And I still remember the dinner we had at your place and just sat out. There was a great view. It was a great meal. It was just like... The, the beer was great, A. And then uh, second, you know, you had a lamb. We had lamb I for never us. I enjoyed lamb before. And uh, it was one of those things where I just, I don't know, I, lamb is like, oh, well, you've never had New Zealand lamb. And that's like, you know what? You're right. I haven't. And it was amazing. It was yep. so good. And then that dessert that your wife made. Yep. What was that called again? Um, that was called a pavlova. Pavlova. Named that's after right. yeah, that's pavlova, right. which is a meringue and cream-based and fruit-based dessert named after either a ballet dancer or an opera singer. So and so Pavlova, female, and we also made. She also made. I didn't do any of it. A great uh, vegetarian dish for you, Graham. Yes. I had. I remember there was like three or four different things that I was eating the whole night. That mm. I, I mean, like. I was like, well, try this and try that. I just remember like, God, this is an amazing meal. Yeah, you. The vegetarian dish wasn't an afterthought. You got like three no, or four guys, different, and it was amazing. You guys so took care of me while you ate mutton and beer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like a couple of Scottish lords, yeah, yeah. And, and we, you know, we both went no silverware. Yeah, they just you guys, I think fought. You had a yeah. sword battle of some kind. This is what they used to feed the convict women: <laughs> beef through beef through the week and mutton on Sundays. And you're like. What? That sounds awesome. Beef yeah. through the week and mutton on Sundays. That's all meat. Yeah. <laughs> That's not being neglectful at all. Yeah. Enjoy your gout, ladies. Um, so, yeah, that was an awesome meal. And I honestly... Meat leads to gout? Is that why yeah. you're a vegetarian? Yeah. yeah okay. I just don't want to have gout. I don't want to have gout either. Um, My uncle had gout. He lived in Fiji. Drank a bit too much. Gout. <laughs> Tropical gout. Tropical gout. Yeah, you should have seen his left That's foot. That's got to be the name of like a punk band. Tropical <laughs> Gout. Tropical gout. <laughs> now opening. Left foot. Left foot, yeah. <laughs> so that was, I still, like, when I think of that night, I think of the view you guys have of Sydney. Yes, we've got a very nice view. Yeah. Any fans who are coming to Sydney, call me and I'll meet you in a pub. You can pay. But we have a very nice view. <laughs> um, and... Um, 
on the on your last podcast or the one before, you said you were definitely going to come down to Australia with the movie. That's the, that's yeah, for that's sure. The, plan. the only question right. is when. Right, right. Um, so like, I'll hook you up. You can come over to our apartment again. For sure. And eat awesome. the same thing. <laughs> We've got yeah. leftovers there in the deep freeze. <laughs> And they just put it all in a giant freezer. Um, We've got to rent that place again, Michelle. <laughs> Impress these guys. If it was the exact same meal again, we would be delighted. I'm it was in. so good. It was make like... It, uh, it oh, was yeah, that's so all good. we make. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's, just, it. that's mutton, veggie food, and pavlova. Yeah, that's all that's you it. guys That's Done. all you guys do. Uh, but no, the, the, the thing, I guess this is kind of an earbuds update. Um, oh, cool. The goal is to we're on you know we're watch I've been watching footage all the week. Goal the is goal to have is dinner at CJ's again. Yeah, yeah. Whatever movie, blah, <laughs> which you blah, can blah. put on Kickstarter. Yeah. <laughs> Send Graham and Chris. We're putting on Kickstarter to, ma- to raise the money to buy the lamb to cook the lamb to feed the guys. <laughs> we're going on another Pavlova run, and plane tickets aren't cheap. Uh, so yeah, the goal is we're to to premiere it at at Podfest. And then, which is September, which is September eighteenth through the twentieth. Um, God, I might do a Kickstarter to come over for that. Dude, love to have you come over for that. You would, you would absolutely love it. I know. Um, and you'd get a million great interviews. You could yeah, just yeah. hang out in the lab and just interview every every LA comic. Okay. Um, so the goal is then to take the movie on the road. Uh, it's just going to depend. There might be a big. There's a, a big tour I might be involved with in the fall. So if that happens, it would probably push back coming overseas. To this is your debut feature film, isn't it? Well, Graham's joining the circus. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Well, if you're going to join the circus, of course. <laughs> yeah. There's a, as the lion or the clown. <laughs> I'm not. Well, that's a lion clown. It's sort of like a minute centaur. <laughs> Doubly <kind of>. scary. <laughs> yeah, 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 Except yeah. lions scare children and clowns scare adults. Yeah. Yes. You're going to scare everyone. I want Graham Elwood as the clown. <laughs> no, the lown. <laughs> Oh God! Here comes the loud. Uh, he's the worst <laughs> with that horn that roars. Um, so, so yeah, that's the that's the that's the schedule. So w- we will be doing a tour through Australia, showing the film. Um, and I'm still serious about us coming to Australia uh, to watch with Steel Saunders. The, oh, it's the new Star Wars the movie. The premiere of the Star Wars movie because Australia... We're getting it first. You're getting it first. Of course, because oh, we're 24 we hours can, ahead. Yeah, yeah. Should, maybe we could coordinate it. It would probably be better to make that all one trip. Yeah. Why? <laughs> I want to go to Australia as often as I can. You um, should show your movie with it. That would be fine. I think that... I mean, we talked about it, so we want to see... Who? Star Who'd War- you talk about that with? Steel Saunders. Here's what we need to do. Who's <laughs> <laughs> packaging your movie <laughs> no, about podcasts with the absolute world premiere of the most anticipated <laughs> movie since movies were invented? <laughs> Who is that person in Sydney? I want to meet. I misspoke. Uh, no, we talked about coming out and watching the new Star Wars movie, and then immediately, like, this might either be an. Oh, you showed afterwards. Yeah, that, yeah, that's fine. But no, yeah. we want to do it. We wanted to do a mashup. A podcast with Steel Saunders and our show immediately following watching the midnight. So at two in the morning, oh, perfect. Record yeah. what the yes. fuck what happened. Ah, oh, what, what what people thought about right. it, right? And then That's release brilliant. it on the spot so yeah. people right. in the states can yeah. hear about it, and yeah. then you know come out for a couple of days, obviously, and then maybe screen the movie and do a podcast and everything else. So let's do the math. Australia is seventeen or eighteen hours ahead, depending on daylight savings time. Either way, so it would it would drop at midnight in Australia. It would finish around two in the morning Australian time. You'd be done with the podcast easily by three in the morning. You could release it within an hour. Yeah. Easily, so that's four in the morning. You're still 17 hours ahead, so people would be waking up and could listen to it. Yes. You would literally have the first podcast in the world with 
on-the-ground feedback about it from actual people. Yes. I'll be there. Yes, yes, I'll be there. Yes. Can I moderate this event? Yes. Yes. Um, that sounds great. So uh, Steele and I talked about it. Oh, or should Steele? Who is Steele? He runs the, uh, he does a, several podcasts. He goes, uh, The Green Guide Letters. Okay, great. And then he does, This Is Not The Podcast You're Looking For, which is a, just all they do. All is Star Wars. All Star Wars. So- we would do a this is not the comedy film nerd podcast you're talking. We just and we'd right. record one episode. He should probably moderate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we would we would do that and then, you know, if we're already gonna be out there, then we would do um we'd show the movie, we'd do another live, maybe we'd do stand up, yeah. maybe we'd set up a whole thing. Yeah. Well now you're up until four in the morning. <laughs> right. Well we'd have to do the next day. We wouldn't do it. We're not gonna do like a tw- telethon. You, um, you you could. I mean, if people have come out at midnight to see it and then they want to do a podcast. Ah, oh, it sounds such a good idea. Right? Yeah. Will you well, yeah. go, like he was telling me, yeah. I think he's in, it might be Melbourne. He was taking, I can't remember, but he was like the theater he was talking about that's going to show Star Wars at midnight. Will be every single theater in the entire yeah. nation of Australia. And he knows that one, then he has uh, like, knows some people at a, a, another, like a performance theater. Right. Close across the street where we could literally just go across the street and record. <laughs> That's awesome. Right? Yes. So, Perfect. So there's, yeah. so there's no time delay in the recording. None. You none. You just walk none. right across the street. Oh, you're still recording. You're just blah, 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 <laughs> as you cross the street. <laughs> <laughs> so, Watch out. Okay, we will cut that. So that's what we got to set up. So I I'm love gonna, it. I'm going to email Steele again and just say, hey, dude, let's let's make this for real. Like, let's do this. So uh, when does it come out? When December. December. 15th. Or my something? birthday. Oh. December 15th, my birthday. So it's it's taking pretty much. All right, well, there's no Lord of the Rings or Hobbit movies coming out. They moved them. Yes. And if they haven't, they should. Yeah. <laughs> really? So that's because they're done. Yeah. So now yeah. that's because they know that's a huge blockbuster release. They think they've thing. always had the ace. They've only had the king. Yeah. <laughs> Star Wars is the ace. Star Wars yes. is the ace that has been. Stable. Even if the Avengers was going against it, Avengers would be the king. Star Wars Star- is always going to be the ace. the ace. Yes. This is the most. You're right. It's the most anticipated. That's movie what in everyone said cinema. before the first prequel came out. Right. No, 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 no. Because the trailer for this one was so 100% perfect right. that I think they actually believed oh, it I think this they, time. I, I have swallowed I'd the Kool-Aid really, and I'm a cynical I'd be really shit. surprised if they screwed this up. I'd be like unbelievably surprised if they got this Oh, wrong. I wouldn't. <laughs> Just thinking about it now, that was three minutes or something. They've got to fill 128 <laughs> minutes. I think that the... The crimes of treason and crimes her- of the father. Uh, the, tri- the crimes of treason and heresy that were committed in the prequels uh, will, will make, be erased. Will be erased. This movie, it can't be worse than those. And what no. they need to do is, as you sit down, just before you get the first little bit, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, which is even before the da da. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to get this other thing saying. Those other three movies you saw do not exist <laughs> a long time ago this in the galaxy. The Bob. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've always yeah. said that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, there were three training videos Red that Con- were made. Redcon yeah. the other three out. Yeah. yeah, which we withdraw from circulation as of this. Mm-hmm. You will never have to see them again. And if they're in your DVD collection, you'll go home and notice they're gone. Yeah, they're <laughs> <just> gone. <laughs> we yeah. have that much money. <laughs> 
We are in your house right now. Just taking them out. That's why you put in your email address when you book these tickets because yeah. we're at your house stealing your Phantom Menace DVDs. Fucking NSA shit. We're doing you a favor. We're doing you a favor. Um, all right. Well, let's get into some movies. Yes. Now, let's talk about okay. Run All Night. Um, now, this is one of the movies. You were very excited about this movie. I, and, and did it deliver? Yeah, man. It's everything you would want it to be. Here's what, here's what it Looks is. Looks like a lot of men on that poster. It is just gravelly talking old dudes <laughs> and guns. That's what it is. Uh, Black leather jackets involved? It's a lot of leather jackets, <laughs> long leather jackets. There's a lot of... Is there a lot of scowling? There's a lot of... You know, like... I've heard the movie's got great acting. It The acting in it is unbelievable. See it for the scenes with Ed Harris and Liam Neeson. There's also a cameo in there by Nick Nolte, Really? He's fucking great. Is he's that got a what he does tail. now is cameos, I yeah, guess. He yeah, he just yeah. shows up and goes, right are you guys? And it's just this grovelly talk. I mean, the and and I'll I'll give them credit. The the trailer makes it seem a lot more just sort of cliche. We've seen this before. Taken all night. Yeah, taken all night. The actual film has got some really cool stuff. Liam Neeson is not the, the bad. He's like an alcoholic down on his luck. What? Yeah, yeah. What? He's alcoholic down on his luck. Yeah. You didn't get with that from skills the at all. Mm-mm. Not at all. Uh, former hitman, and then a series of shitty events happens, and he's trying to make it right. And uh, so it says that on his resume. When you're applying for Liam Neeson for a job, he's got to be an alcoholic guy down on his luck. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, it's pretty standard for what he's been doing, isn't it? Well. A lot of his, well, his Taken guy is is all, you know, ex-special op badass who's, you know, trying to keep that life hidden. Oh, okay. So Unsuccessfully for, for three movies. Unsuccessfully, <laughs> just they keep coming back to yeah. him because his kids keep leaving the house. So does this guy have more? <laughs> Stop leaving the house, Taken. Um, so does this guy have more of a moral conscience? Well, he he's a former hitman, so he's got, he... It's coming back to haunt him, really. Like, what he did in the past is coming back to haunt him. And again, there's some great scenes with him and Ed Harris one-on-one because they're friends. They've been, you know, he's worked for Ed Harris for years. So there's all this great shit that happens But it's a compressed time movie, right? It's literally one night. It is one night. Yeah, yeah. Which, when we talk about 71, is also one night. Okay. Overnight. Okay. I, I, I love it. And honestly, these performances are worth seeing. Now, can I ask you about Joel Kinnaman? Because Joel Kinnaman, have you seen the trilogy he's in, the uh, Easy Money trilogy? It's an excellent crime trilogy, and he's the the lead. And I guess that's what got him into RoboCop, and I guess RoboCop got him into this. And he's a Swede or a Dane or one of those. He's a Scandinavian. Mm-hmm. and He's clear skin. He has very good skin. Very, he's a very handsome man, and I, I admire his cheekbones. Would he? Um, <laughs> really good cheekbones. Would he's got such good cheekbones? Does he do a passable American accent? He does a passable. You know, it's funny. I didn't know he was foreign until you just said that. So he does. It is very believable. Well, you know why those Swedes can do it because they learnt it at American through American language teachers. Uh, so they've learnt American accented English, not English accented English. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So it's, it's, he's really decent in it. You know, I mean, he does a good job, but 
and this isn't a, I don't think this is a slam on him, but he is just overshadowed of by course. these guys doing great, yeah. great performances. Like mm-hmm. it's, 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 yeah, it's a shoot 'em up, it's a settle the score and all that stuff. But then you've also got, um, you've got, uh, let me look, look at this movie list again. You've got uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> My girlfriend's a, favorite. Is, as a detective, and he's got a couple of smalls, and he's mm-hmm. great. There's a one-on-one scene with him and Liam Neeson that's great. There's him working the case that's great. It's just like, it's, it's solid. It's been funny driving around Los Angeles because there have been the billboards for uh, The Gunman with Sean Penn, which is obviously I want Liam Neeson, I want a piece of the Liam Neeson action man action now that I'm 56. And there have been the run all night billboards where Liam Neeson's been like, fuck you, Sean Penn, I'm keeping my mantle and I'm bringing Ed Harris with me. (laughs) And Sean Penn on the poster his back of his head is to the poster, whereas Liam Neeson and Ed Harris are just like right there, front face to the to the you know to the uh-huh. billboard to the camera, and it just seems to me that like they've just trumped him. They, totally, they totally. The did. movie has better reviews. It's action billboard hazing. It is. Yeah, <laughs> the gunman looks bad. It looks. It doesn't look like that good of a movie. No, it looks like these. But this. If you want to, if you're going to choose between one of these two movies, and I would so choose this. You got to, you got to say that. Because, Go run all night. Because yeah. because I don't see any any solid support people around Sean Penn. But there is, and this is the thing: they're not on the billboard, which drives me crazy. Guess who's around him? Idris Elba, Mark oh, wow. Rylance, um, and someone else who's really oh oh Oscar winner. From the Coen Brothers movie, Javier Bardem. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those are the three main dudes in it besides him. Mark Rylance considered the greatest stage actor on the planet. Idris Elba, probably the next yeah. James Bond, plus yeah, all these yeah, other things. Why would you put them on the poster? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. Word. Yeah, why would it's, that's interesting because um, I wonder if Sean Penn's agent was like, the, you know what? Nope, he he gets the billboard. Hold, he won't him. show his face, but he won't have anyone else on it. <laughs> it's max of vanity to me. Yeah, it feels like he. I feel like this is sort of him just like, oh, I'm going to cash in on this. And Liam Neeson going, well, it's not as easy as you think. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, And you, all of that is said in two billboards facing each other. Yeah. And it's so easy for us three to sit here <laughs> and speculate that there is actually that sort of ego war going on between the two billboards. And the fact is, it probably is that. <laughs> but I got to say, run all night, man. Just... Those scenes with Ed Harris, Liam Neeson, and and that that one scene with uh, the the Ed Harris scenes. Jesus Christ, is he a good bad guy? And he's playing a bad guy in Cymbeline at the moment, which is out in limited release and on VOD, also in a leather jacket, also being a tough guy. I love it's like it's like the Ed Harris in the History of Violence, where he shows up in the diner. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's just that kind of just quietly tough and evil. He knows how to be staring at the table and then turn slowly to the camera. Yeah. He's very good at that. And he knows <laughs> and how, to, say his how to manipulate the wrinkles on his face in just the right <laughs> way to be like, I could punch you through a whiskey bottle and, <laughs> and not get out of my chair. He's you so know? lean these days oh, too. God. He's so lean. Yeah, yeah. Like he just, you just yeah. think he just wants, this character just feels like, oh, this guy hits a bag of rocks. Yeah. That's what how he trains. Mm-hmm. Isn't it interesting that when we were kids, we went to see Clint Eastwood and Burt Reynolds, and they were already kind of getting on when we were kids. And now the action stars are even older. Yeah. They're like 60. 
You know, oh, yeah. Sean Penn is 56 team. and Liam Neeson is easily deep into his early yeah, deep into is, his early 60s and um where are yeah. new young action stars well it's it's only jason statham really he's he's he, perfect he's not even in the new transporter movie did you see that i saw no the he's in the new furious seven yeah he's in the new furious he? seven oh, yeah. yeah but the he's transporter because the well, they could pay him more yeah because the furious seven fra- furious franchises made so much money that they probably paid him double what the what the transporter guys but, were yeah made. the transporter like i saw the trailer and i'm like this is that doesn't sound like him because it starts with like, you know, a voiceover kind of thing. I'm like, oh, I wonder when Statham's going to be in this trailer. And then there's a guy, a British guy that looks a little like him. Oh, comes that's out so cheesy. And I'm like, oh. It's just an off-brand. Yes, oh, that's so yeah. cheesy. They didn't even get someone who no, looked different. No, oh. it's like you, you're, getting, you're getting generic Jason Statham in it. the new movie. I love when they go <laughs> off-brand. Oh. Yeah, and that's really, okay, well, this is clearly a salary issue. And, uh, <laughs> so sad. and when you've done 49 of them, too, yeah. you just got to stop. Because you're not interested at all in reinventing the franchise or the character. You're yeah. just recasting, the, the, basically, the stunt double is taking over. What's the, the crazy lead? franchise is in, directed by those two crazy guys, mm-hmm. where they just use all sorts of cameras that they let break, and they all just go nuts? Oh, is that the um, Berserk? Well, not Berserk. Uh, it's totally Berserk. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. That he did, Jason Statham did. He did a couple of them. Crank? Yeah. Those movies are yes. like, they're like $20 versions of Fast and Furious. Yes. yes. Uh-huh. And <laughs> that were made insane. by a meth head. Yeah. Right. Um, yes. All right. So let's see. Now, you just mentioned it earlier, but uh, you saw 71. Tell us what this film is. 71 is brilliant. It's still out in in uh, the bigger markets of the United States, I don't believe it's actually opened in Australia yet. I, it has come and gone in the UK, and it's probably rolling out throughout Europe and uh, Asia. It's an amazing film. I believe it is the first time feature from the director, but or maybe it's his second, but he's uh, he's written a lot and he's, he's quite established within the inside world of the British film industry. And what it is, it's this guy, Jack O'Connell, who's the new big star of the British screen. He's in Starred Up, which is the prison thing that's right. um, a big deal. And he's in Unbreakable, which... It's not a good movie, but he is great in it. And you mean he's unbroken. Unbroken, pardon me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unbroken, yeah, unbreakable. He was not That's in. the synonym. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's got to be huge. Like, he's destined to be huge in the same way that that kid who was the lead of mm-hmm. um, uh, the the block, against the block, what was it called? Attack the block. Attack the block mm-hmm. was destined to be huge and right. now is in the Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. This guy's destined to be huge. And this film is not that's dissimilar to Attack the Block in that it all takes place in one night, as we were talking about before with Run All Night. But it's set in 1971. He's a very new British recruit into the army and they're all expecting to go somewhere else in the world, but instead they're sent to Belfast. And he goes to Belfast with his unit. The moment they arrive in Belfast, there's a a riot from the Catholics slash proto-IRA slash however you want to call them. And during that riot, he gets separated from his unit. And so he is now in Belfast, and he just does not know 
the terms of engagement because he doesn't understand the conflict because it's 1971. So the IRA, there's old guard, but there's new guard. There are loyalists and everyone, there are factions. So it's not just like there's two. It's not just like the unionists and the loyalists. There's like multiple versions of all of them. And he doesn't know anything because he thought he was going to go to Germany or Argentina or the right. Falklands or somewhere. He does not expect to be in Belfast. And so he's wandering around and he doesn't know what to expect. Should he fight? Should he trust people? And people are coming up to him saying like, oh, follow me, trust me, trust me. You're a British soldier. It's okay, come down here. And he doesn't know. So it becomes this nightmarish thing. Plus he's injured, walking through Belfast at night and the city is ugly and it's, there's fires all over the place and there are scary people and everyone's armed. And the first person he trusts is a kid. And I'll spoil one moment because it's only about 20 minutes in, but it just leads you so well into the movie. The kid, he trusts his kids. He's like, I can trust a kid, boy of about 11, about yay high. And the kid leads him to this roadblock fueled by, you know, very tough looking Irish guys and they're drinking. And one of the guys calls the kid wee one and the kid says, don't call me wee one. You know who my uncle is? My uncle is so-and-so. And And the guy just backs off. And you realise just all about the complicated layout of Belfast and who's with who and who's, you know. And the film is about him surviving the night and about the small unit of his British officers trying to find him and about the very, very complicated politics of IRA people that wasn't um, even your phone. That was your. It's went right to my computer. Yeah, yeah it goes straight to your computer now with Apple Share or whatever it's called. I don't want that Apple Share? So it, and Stop the sharing. the very 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 complicated connections between the various loyalists, unionists, the Catholics, the Protestants, and how they're not even loyal to each other because within it there are the young IRA who are breaking off from the old IRA, but we see it through his eyes, so it's confusing to us. So you can't trust anyone as he can't trust anyone. And we don't have a detailed history of that entire conflict either. It seems like they're, they've nuanced it with all these different factions and, yeah. and it, so it's hard to follow anyway. Yes, yes, deliberately so. Mm-hmm. Like it's deliberately confiscating and confusing and it's amazing because it's at times it's like a horror movie mm-hmm. because he's scared, so we're scared because he's in basically hell. Mm-hmm. He's in hell. He's wounded. He's got no munitions for a while and he's been abandoned and it's just a hellish city. It's Belfast in 1971, yeah. which was essentially like a war zone. Yeah, it and was it, a, it was, it, well, it was a war zone. Yeah. It, it was, was up for a grabs. war zone. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like the Middle East. I yeah. Mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. So yeah. the director uh, that you're talking about is Jan uh, Demang or Demand. Yeah. Sure. We will hear from him. Yeah, he's just done a bunch of looks like TV probably in the UK. This is his first his first feature film, so yeah. I'm excited to see this. He's going to be huge from the from the moments it begins when you see these soldiers training in England before they're shipped to Belfast. It is so beautiful, and the use of music is so beautiful. And watching them run across the field and do their training, we've all seen soldiers being trained a million times in movies. This is beautiful. This like it grabs you like this director has an eye. You know, it's great. I can't recommend it highly enough. I know it is still playing in cinemas, mm-hmm. in certainly in Los Angeles, certainly in New York, certainly in Chicago, probably in Boston and other major centers. And it's definitely either on VOD now or about to be. I can't oh. recommend it highly enough. Okay. No. 71. Yeah, 71. 71. So, Chris, you saw... Yeah, I want to talk about... Uh, I saw the Halo movie, the new one, Nightfall. Okay. And the reason I wanted to see it is, you know, the Halo universe is basically expanding and we're reaching like a... 
uh, new age now where more money are actually being poured into video game movies and different video game type based content like TV and things like that. Is this a live uh, action movie? Live action. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, produced by Ridley Scott. That's why I, I really wanted to see. I wanted to see especially the evolution of our video game movies finally being taken seriously. And the answer is not yet. <laughs> they're, they're simply not there yet. Was Peter um, Jackson going to produce this, Once Upon a Time? At Once Upon a Time, Peter Jackson was going to produce the Halo movie. Oh, and then he produced District 9. And, and, well, that's because the Halo movie fell out. Neil uh, Blomkamp was going to direct it, uh, the Halo movie. And then the whole thing, um, um, it fell apart, and then that's when District 9 stepped in. So it was the best thing that ever happened to Neil Blomkamp. I mean, <laughs> that, you know, the fact that he was able to Did make he District didn't 9. carry the ball uh, yeah. <laughs> down the field. <laughs> true, true enough. He got one field goal. <laughs> he got one touchdown, then a field goal, and then uh, he's still running. Okay, so I, I want to talk about this movie because there's a couple important, more global things to talk about. First of all, the movie's horrible. It's absolutely awful. And... But more money was spent on this movie. The um, the Halo franchise has been a huge blockbuster franchise for Microsoft and the Xbox for many years. In fact, another as games as games. Another one is is coming out. Um, but also, it's been ripe in the pop culture, almost like uh, zeitgeist, because you've also see a lot of stuff on YouTube. You see a lot of fan stuff. You see parodies. You see all sorts of stuff. So it's gotten into the consciousness in a way that you know a lot of games don't get to that level. So you think, okay, well, now if we are going to take this in a new direction, TV or movies, like originally, like there's a series like Xbox kind of was producing some of these, like Forward Onto Dawn was the first series. A lot of money poured into that first series, a couple of episodes, um, also unwatchable. Uh, but you could tell, oh, there's a lot of money going into the special effects and the visuals and everything else. Just not the uh, script. Just not the script. Not the directors, not the actors. Anything above the line <laughs> was completely... So it's just VFX. Yeah, it's literally, it's like a video game because right. they haven't... So, and I really think this is partially where the video game companies, they can't let go of that control. Like uh, you So that's the problem. They just won't the let problem. movie people yeah. take it over. Let the filmmakers like make the films. Fifty Shades. Yeah, let, yeah. let the filmmakers make the films. And this is the problem with uh, Nightfall right now. You have this insane premise even for science fiction standards where you know the halo ring i know a little bit i I know the halo universe peripherally i don't know that the hard details of everything but there's a uh, basically a new um disease that only affects humans the covenant which is the evil people against the humans that's the um the aliens um have found that only affects humans so this is this new disease that is only affects humans so great but turns out it's being um mind from like a rock on the halo ring i'm like so wait how is that possible some kind of element is now making only humans sick after an explosion change like all these weird like little science fiction tropes that make no sense like and they don't follow through from scene to scene they get on the planet to shut this uh mining down and uh um there's these um, giant, weird, like, larvae wormy things that are, quote, hunter worms, but they're attracted to technology. Okay, they're attracted to technology, so then how could you even land there? Because they would attack the ship immediately. Um, but then if you shut everything off, how are they still attacking you if they're just attracted to technology? And if they're just attracted to technology and eating the battery and all that power, why would they then attack the people? But then you have one character who's a badass, which is a Spartan. Now, a Spartan is like plays the character him? you actually play. Um, let's, it's nobody you recognize. <laughs> right, so this is a cheapie? Yeah. That's what's so weird. You could tell money was spent like on the production with Ridley Scott producing. Scott Free was one of the production companies right. in this film. And then they just but, get 
and then terrible actors. They get uh, yeah, you've, uh, yes, <laughs> yeah. And, Sorry for those who also, were about to name and shame. But, but it's also like, but the but we're writer, about to do it. <laughs> the writer, the writing, and the directing. Everything is so subpar. And you've got all this money, and you're just you're not spending it in the right but, place. But but we all know now that you can do really good SFX on your home computer, like. Chappie, for all its faults, was done for forty million dollars. Yes. So, what is the budget but for this? Because maybe Chappie, this was, maybe this has a ten million dollar budget, no. or maybe it has a two million dollar budget. It, this makes Chappie look like a four hundred million dollar movie, right? So, what I'm <laughs> saying is, maybe they didn't spend a lot of money on it. No, I meant effects wise, it was some of it was comparable. What I'm saying oh, is, right. is, like, is uh, even just like the scope of this. Uh, so, what w- the biggest problem with this is, like I said, the the video game people are not letting the filmmakers actually make the movie because you know Ridley Scott he's he, uh, this really felt like a vanity credit i expected a little bit more from him as far as having control but this is where it looks it gets even crazier it looks even like they just used Ridley Scott to like reuse prometheus sets <laughs> <laughs> That's what he was just trying that's to offload like, yeah, some Prometheus. Yeah, that's really what it they're all like. still built. Yeah, that, so they probably it, did. They all they all still exist. That's what it looked like. I'm like, well, I think they're reusing Prometheus. Yeah. Even like the uh, the CG with like the little you know hunter worms or whatever. I'm like, this kind of looks like stuff that wasn't. Oh, Prometheus. so they're, they're, like, they're B roll. They're offshoots. It really yeah. looks like it's just, it was, it's just yeah. unloading old footage. Yeah. And, and, and it was originally like it was supposed to be like a series for Xbox. This was one of the big launchings uh, for the Xbox right. network to, so people could watch this. But then what they did is they put I think four. Five episodes together into a. Oh, so is this an Xbox feature. movie? Yes, it's an Xbox <sighs> movie. That's why I haven't seen billboards for it. Right? No, you won't. You won't see billboards for it. But it was really touted as like being, you know, this huge VOD, and you know, and uh, uh, like it was going to be a huge success because you're know, like, oh, we've got Ridley Scott now. It's like this is going to be produced as a real movie, and it had that lead up to it, but it never, it never delivered. So I'm going to make one prediction right now for. Um, video game movies. We're at a golden age of comic book movies right now. They've never been better. I think we can we can uh, argue. Or more successful, been, absolutely. Yes, or of more course. successful. So, video games, however, as successful as video games are, um, they've n- haven't been able to make that transition into um, a great film. And I think we're going to start seeing uh, an increase in quality because of the ways games are being played now. Like you have games like Mass Effect. You have games like Dragon Age, where they're story-driven, they're character-driven. It's not just running around beating stuff up and mashing buttons. So I think when you have a larger... It's not like you're making a movie out of Pac-Man. You know, you have a larger... God, that would story. be a terrible movie. What, 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 what? Yes. We, we have a... <laughs> we should make that movie. You play Pac-Man, yeah. I'll play a ghost, yeah. you play Miss Pac-Man. Yeah, perfect. Uh, so we... Pinky, uh, blinky, pinky, and Clyde yeah. are on the loose. Um... So what you have is, I really think that, you know, we haven't seen a great video game movie yet, but I think eventually we will. And one of the hopes I have for um, is for The Last of Us, because Sam Raimi is making The Last of Us. And I really think that's the that's kind the of key. movie that, yeah, you, you have it's to an actual it, filmmaker is yeah. making, you know, this film based on, but it's also a video game based on not just zombies running around, it's based on character and story. And that's what's um, the, what, what's actually when you start with that in the video game. I think it's easier to translate. Like when you have Halo, there's not a lot of story in Halo. I know but, nothing about it. Um, like one of the one of the things that makes no sense in the movie is you have an elite 
cast of warriors called Spartans, and they're the ones that are faster, stronger. Mm-hmm. You know, they're naked. More, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and they're naked. Yes, and um, they're the ones that are like uh, a little man the on man, yeah, yes. <laughs> man on alien. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and but and that's basically the character that you play when you play the games. You play a Spartan. Yeah. <laughs> so I wonder how much they go into actual yeah. Spartan history. <laughs> yeah, the answer is zero. Yeah. Uh, but what you have here is you have all these setups and all these horrible characters and this horrible dialogue in this film. And like, here's a great example. They set up this guy. He's an ex-Spartan. You know, he's got the tattoos on his arms. He used to be a badass, but now he's a father, and he's trying to leave that behind. And then we go through the entire movie. You know, he's on the mission. Never does anything cool. He just runs his mouth, and that's it. That's the, like, wait, that's the badass of the entire group, and uh, you have him literally done nothing. Is he played and by a black man? He is not played by a black man. Are there any black men there in the is, movie? Yes, there is. Uh, there's a couple. And uh, one of the things, too, which is absolutely insane about this movie is that uh, I don't know how, as mediocre as these actors were, how they could keep a straight face reciting some of this right. dialogue that came out. Like, like, there's literally, I started bursting out laughing. This is, you know, because th- this is my squad. I love them. <laughs> Oh, Spartans <laughs> said the same thing about yeah, their squads. Yeah, like, really? Really? Would you say that if you were commanding officer? I don't I don't know if you would really say that. Can I tell you something about Ridley Scott's production and Scott Free? Like they they did keep the sets for Prometheus because he does plan to build Prometheus 2 or make Prometheus 2, but also they kept the set for Kingdom of Heaven in a particular town in Morocco, which is where recently they shot Killing Jesus and AD, which is the sequel to the Bible, simultaneously and they were all staying at the same hotel. So the dude who was playing Jesus from AD was hanging out with the chick who was playing Mary Magdalene from Killing Jesus, and the dude who was playing Jesus from Killing Jesus was hanging out with the chick who was playing Mary Magdalene from AD. They were all in the same hotel, shooting simultaneously in the same city, on the same sets, being Ridley Scott's old sets from Kingdom of Heaven. Did these actresses playing Mary Magdalene, did they both get it? They got it on. They They totally got it on together. (laughs) And they sang, try not to be worried, try not to hold on to problems that affect you. So, and I have footage, and it's awesome. So, so I would recommend anyone, um, if you're a Halo fan, play the game. All right, play the game, enjoy the game, uh, and avoid these until they can get them even close to right. All right, what do you think they did spend on it? That's it's got to be uh, that. That looked like. Like 20, 30 million, something like that. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Actually, can we pull it up? Let's see if that for a film that it. basically nobody's going to see other than yeah, right. Well, just fans, yeah, right. pretty much. But it, it looked it looked like there was definitely some money. Halo Nightfall. Let's see the perspective budget. Yeah, they don't have. I guess there aren't. I guess there are a lot might, of fans. Might have to be a deep Google search because they might break it down per episode. Oh no, it had a budget of approximately ten million, and they. But was that just for the first episode? Yeah. And then and after were, that, they, they spent five. like a hundred grand yeah, per episode. Yeah, they were, yeah, that could be. Yeah, because yeah, there were five that yeah. they made. So that yeah, that's about that probably makes sense. About ten per uh, ten All per right. five. Well, that sounds so, horrendous. So fifty million. It was horrendous. So uh, anyone who's because I know we have a lot of gamers who listen to this podcast, mm-hmm. and I just want to say keep gaming. Keep yeah, <laughs> forget yeah, it. Yeah, don't. I've just um, I've saved you an hour and a half. All yeah. right. Well, let's get into now. Now, CJ, you obviously because you're a film critic, you watch a, a, a million films. One of the ones you were talking about this new documentary, "An Honest Liar." An Honest Liar is a lovely film about uh, the amazing Randy, 
mm-hmm. uh, who is obviously deep into his his third act. I, I would suggest he's in his late eighties or early nineties. Is he James still Randy. active though? Yeah. Oh, he is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they only made this film last year, two thousand fourteen. Wow. It's a documentary, okay. and what it is is it's about his life and career. And his career very much followed Houdini's career. Houdini was his hero and he, what he did was what Houdini did. He did magic tricks, he did escapes, and then at around age 50 he retired from that kind of and became a debunker of bullshit artists. So he started debunking um, people who claimed to be psychic. Right. He started debunking faith healers, which is really satisfying in the movie because there's one faith healer who, when he shows you how he's cheating, you're just like, yes, you know, because it's so annoying when people are actually telling people that they've been cured of cancer because right. they're going to go home and not go to the doctor anymore. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're, they're criminals in a way. And he, so he debunks those people. And so you watch all that about his career and everything. And that's great. That's massively entertaining the three of us as entertainers like you guys will love it because mm-hmm. it's about an amazing career and a unique career but then it like all great documentaries it's got a third act twist that is just unbelievable that i'm not going to reveal Sweet. here at all yeah it's, it's fantastic yeah it's about him as a person and mm-hmm. his life yeah now I it's would, great i do want to say one thing about uh like i remember reading about houdini and one of the things that he was always looking for is that when he was debunking, you know, mediums and, and fakers and all that stuff in his heart, he really hoped he would find a real one because he always wanted to speak with his dead mother again. So I'm wondering like, no, Randy doesn't believe he doesn't believe in any of that. Like it wasn't like kind of fueled through like a little bit of almost like a romantic cynicism. No, no, not at all. In fact, it's fueled through the opposite in that he may he realized early on that he could go down that path that he could pretend to be psychic cuz any magician can pretend to be that you know right. any magician can pretend to bend spoons or read your mind or speak to your grandmother right. because speak they to the you know, dead, sure. yeah and he realized the power of that and he was like no i'm going to go the opposite way so he always said everything you're going to see tonight's an illusion i'm a liar that's what magicians are. We lie for your entertainment. And he really hates people who do the opposite, which is pretend to be real. And Some um, people have made a very lucrative uh, career. Man, on there's it. one guy who comes to Australia about every two years who pretends to speak John to the Edwards. dead. He's a, yeah, that guy. He's an American <laughs> yeah, guy. I know. I just want to <laughs> kick him in the head. He had a show on Sci Fi Channel. Oh, yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, he got really famous. This is the kind of guy that Randy has spent his life debunking. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. Uh, the, the the two directors, Tyler uh, Meesom and Justin Weinstein. Tyler Meesom did a um, a really cool documentary called The Sons of Perdition about the the fanatical Church of the Latter-day Saints that have like a cult compound and oh, I kids love that, that stuff. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and how they're, you know, they were totally brainwashed and uh, so anyway, see that. So, so, so uh, these guys have a really nice uh, documentary pedigree, yeah. so to speak, mm-hmm. both as producers and directors. So. You can see it on VOD. You don't need to spend 15 bucks at the cinema. See it for seven bucks on VOD. It's fine. It's not a, it's not a cinematic experience, sure. but it's great. It's great. Um, so now, what other like what else have you been working on? Uh, any more plays? What what else? What else you been doing? Your podcast? Because I don't know if everybody knows, CJ is not just a movie reviewer and a podcaster, but he's actually a playwright. Yeah. S- since we last spoke, since you were at my house for dinner, 
I created this work called Kinski and I about the German uh, movie star Klaus Kinski and I toured it. I did it in Sydney. Then I took it to the Adelaide Fringe Festival and did it down there and I've done it in Sydney again. I'll be doing it back at the Sydney Fringe Festival this September and I eventually will bring it to LA, definitely in a 99-seater. I'll pay myself $9 an hour. If anyone's following that current debate, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Um Klaus Kinski made 138 movies, as they say on IMDb. He claimed to make over 250. And uh, when he published his autobiography, it was all about his sexual conquests, the entire thing from woe to go. He was a sex addict. And so I bring this to life with a huge videoscape behind me, all about Klaus Kinski, um, all from his films and Werner Herzog's films with him. There's a lot of it is about like him versus Werner Herzog and all the fights they had. He was a maniac. He was he raged. He had very deep anger issues, but basically he had sex. He had sex with everyone. He had many wives. He had three children, uh, including Natasia Kinski, the, who went on to become a screen actress and also quite a mad person. And um, and then in 2013, his daughter Pula uh, published a book called Kindermund, alleging that he'd been unfortunately taking advantage of her sexually for 12 years between the ages of of five and uh, 17. So I incorporate all that too. So it starts out very funny. It ends very, very sad and depressing and awful. And it's for a niche audience. That's why I do it at fringe festivals. (laughs) But there are hundreds of fringe festivals all over the world. And I'm much younger than he was when he died. He died at like age 63 or something. So I can do it for at least another 30 years (laughs) if I want to. Um, All over the place. And... um, it's been a very satisfying experience because it's it's uh, talking about this very interesting guy and one of my favourite directors, Werner Herzog, and their relationship. And it also looks at a, a period of cinema that I love, which is like he was very active in the international European-based cinema of the 70s, 80s and early 90s. Mm-hmm. And he was a major star within that. So you're talking about working with Sergio Leone and, mm-hmm. and then all these like – B, C, D, E, F versions of – so he was in all these Italian spaghetti westerns like but way dropping down the line mm. and, you know, he was in terrible, terrible, terrible films and also in great films. And the films he made with Werner Herzog, the four best, Fitzcarraldo, Aguirre, Wrath of God, Nosferatu, The Vampire and Wojciech are all brilliant films. But he made 150 terrible movies and which he phones it in. In one film where he's on a spaceship, some terrible space movie, he literally – at one point, he pulls out a sandwich out of a brown baggie and eats it, and then he refused to do another take for the director because he ate <laughs> the director. So it's in the film because they needed the scene. <laughs> you know, he had such disdain for his directors. He usually screwed their wives. I mean, just the most fascinating wow. film actor, the most depraved film actor What do you of think time. a director would be more angry about, um, having him screwed his wife or eating a sandwich in a eating scene? Eating the sandwich in a scene. <laughs> That's a good director. Yeah. A bad director would be more concerned about the other thing. But a, a real director yeah. pulling out the sandwich in the scene, man, that is not on. That is not cool. Yeah. <laughs> he was awful. He was a tyrant. He was a freak. He was a sex addict. That's the part I sympathize with, that he was a sex addict, you know, because he was literally a sex addict right. and they exist and he was one. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff about him that you can't sympathize with. So I've been doing that. That's been great. Movie Land has been going great. Over 100 episodes. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. You've been on a few. You'll be on yes. many, many more. Um, that's good. I've got a 14-month-old daughter. Mm-hmm. And i got to tell you about because I, I like to work on my body a bit, like I think you do, Graham. Yeah, and I, um, I, uh, I, I, so I came and joined, because I'm here for six weeks, I joined the Eastern Gym on Beverly. 
So I got to tell you about this gym. I go to the gym. Have you guys been to the Eastern Gym? I haven't been to that one. Have no, you been? But I know these types of LA gyms. I know what you're. Go- I know where you're going. I know where go this ahead. Is yeah. <laughs> well, it's not going any. I don't know where you guys think it's going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going clear down Hollywood history. It's beautiful because Harry Easton and his brother, I think Harry Easton was the um, was the sort of the trainer dude and his brother was the business dude and they established it in 1938 in its present location, same building. It burnt down once during its time and they rebuilt it. So it's still the same and it's a wrought iron building which is kind of unique for that area of Hollywood. And um, there's all these beautiful photos on the walls of like – uh, all signed, all the original yeah. glossies signed, framed. So there's Kirk Douglas um, and there's Jack Lemon, which is weird. You don't think of him working out with the weights ever. And he basically says, like, I came once, I, I gave it up, but thank you, Harry. <laughs> um, there's Gregory Peck saying, thank you for the 17 pounds, Harry. Greg Peck. So he signed it, Greg Peck, but also, Greg. you know, that's obviously he meant 17 pounds of muscle that Harry yeah, helped yeah. put on him. Um, there's one of Jack Lalanne, who was one of the early, you know, bodybuilders who obviously knew Harry. Um, and then there's people like Donald O'Connor, you know, the guy from Singing in the Rain who can yeah. do all the tricks, not Gene Kelly, but the other guy, the comic who could fall over yeah, the couches yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he's on the wall and everything. And so that's all beautiful. And they're all from, they're all real, you know, this is the real thing. And those right. are the originals hanging on the wall. Like this place has history up the wazoo. But then there's these great photographs of the place from its period, you know, so of that period when. You know, movie stars used to work out there, guys, you know, all guys. So there are these photographs, it's all guys, and they're all shirtless and shoeless. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. how people used to work out. That's great. It's really Greco Roman style. They're all shirtless and shoeless <laughs> with little shorts. Uh, the thing I love, one of the things I love about Hollywood and LA in general is I love that there's there's headshots anywhere. There's a Taco Bell in Burbank that has headshots. <laughs> yeah. Like, I love that. I love that the, 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 the taco, Harrison Ford. Exactly. Yeah. The, dry cleaners. The dry cleaners. Yeah. Anywhere, man. I fucking love that. And yeah. then I do love this, like, this piece of Hollywood history, yeah. it's like if you ever go into uh, the Formosa Cafe oh, yeah. or one of those places yeah. that just has like yeah. Musso and Frank's. Oh, yeah. those yeah, old yeah. school joints. Musso and Frank's where you can still get Welsh rabbit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like stuffed anchovy eggs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, and the, those old waiters who are just like, yeah. all right, kid, what do you want? Yeah, been, I've been here for 50 years. But they still make a mean you. martini. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, uh, that, uh, Michelli's down. Oh, Michelli's, yeah. and that's is great. again same same waitresses, same yeah. waiters that have been there for. Well, many some years. of the equipment at the Eastern Gym is old, like it's old school barbells and stuff, like the ones that you can't change, like they're fixed, and um, it's there's no juice bar or anything like that. It's it's hardcore, like no it's, oxygen it's, bar, and there's no air conditioning. Like it's a truly old fashioned bodybuilders gym. I and love it's awesome. that. Yeah, yeah. No shirts. It's awesome. No. It's like going to a barbershop. Yeah. Ah, oh, I love the old man barbershops. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's awesome. Awesome, man. I love. Awesome. Well, I live. I live. So, off- how often do you go there? Daily. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's pretty hardcore. I, I go early, and it, it it definitely fills up at about nine thirty ten when I'm when I'm finishing, and it's like. Man, everyone goes to work so late in Los Angeles. It's amazing. Well, how, how long until you can have a headshot up? Like, how many times do you have to go? Well, judging by who's up there, about forty-five major studio feature films. <laughs> So it's like this is like one of the probably initial um, gyms of Hollywood. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Totally. Oh, Absolutely. Wow. You know where it is? It's directly across from Swingers. 
that cafe I on Beverly you. Boulevard, yep. uh-huh. directly across the road. It's a wrought iron building. Yeah, uh-huh. it's really pretty. It's got a rooftop where they do, you know, oh, on the rooftop. I've not done it because it's always been too hot. But there's like a, a swing thing, like you oh, know, a chimpanzee nice. swing thing. If you wanted to really work it up there, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I love those kind of oh, old gyms. It's I'd, so old school, so classic. The thing it's that's great. great about that is there's the other kind of gyms. Um, in LA that have like valet parking. Oh yeah, it's the other end. They do have the juice bar. Oh God, this is the opposite. It's just like people go there and get dressed up to work out. They make all their money by establishing huge membership bases who never never show up. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing they have too that's a new thing is, uh, you know, you go and you have your own trainer, like you get like a bunch for free before you then if you want to continue to pay, but also they have childcare now. Like you could go, you could bring your kid, you drop your kid off, uh, yeah. at, you know, at the childcare area, you work out and then you pick your kid up. That's the Virgin, the Virgin Health Clubs all have that. Mm-hmm. And there's one near my home in Sydney that I'm considering joining because I could take my little girl. But before I joined Eastern, I, because I, I basically just Googled my own house and then Googled the closest ones and the Eastern was the second closest. And the first closest one I went to was really, really close, like about... 500 meters, like, I don't know, like a third of a mile from my house. And I went in there, I was walking around for ages and there was no one. No one was asking me what to do. I thought I could actually work out right now. No one's, you know, it's fine. <laughs> I, I certainly used the bubbler because I jogged there. So I right. certainly like was drinking their water and like I was like, and I thought oh, maybe I'll work out. Finally, someone said, can I help you? And I was like, yeah, I'm here for six weeks. Can I join? And he was like, no, private only. And then I realized that every single person in there had a private trainer and everyone in there I vaguely recognized from television so you know it was a private it was an actor's gym and they all had trainers you know every single and you you couldn't go there without a trainer it was a trainer's gym yeah so it was like it was the opposite where i pick my gym and then i take my trainer it was like trainers go there and they bring their clients so it was the flip side it was like an exercise speakeasy yeah, I found a new martial arts. Well, it was like it was like the bartender takes you yeah. to the own speakers. Yeah. You don't go there and get the bartender. The bartender's right. like, "Hey, you guys, come to here." Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they open up the fake wall, and you get all right. Here's where the real bar this is. We're working. <laughs> Have you guys watched Ken Burns' uh, documentary Prohibition? No, about Prohibition. We got to watch it. It's great. I love that. That was stuff. a time. That's what like Chicago was all. Yeah, yeah. Had all that stuff. All right. Well, let's get into some DVDs. Yes. Now, yeah. The Hobbit: Battle of the Five Armies. Is well, that, you know, I looked this up, and again, this this movie, you're either on board or you're not. By I'm the not. third one, yeah. Not everyone is. Not everyone is. I get it. Jackie Cation and I were on board. A lot so of you people guys are aren't. buying this DVD. Well, no, I'm not because I you? know um, because if I wait long enough, there will be a boxed set. And uh, I'll get the Blu-ray like I did with Lord of the Rings, and I'll get them all at once. Because what they do, and this is what I hate about the releasing, is they release them piecemeal. They release them one at a time, and then they release the box set that actually has the extra features. And it's like they follow, everyone's following the Star Wars model now, where you keep releasing different versions of the film to keep getting people to pay for it more than once. Yes, their money goes. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to wait. Wouldn't it make sense to only wait until it is rescreened at the New Beverly and just simply see it at the cinema? Right. Yeah. <laughs> there is that as well. But uh, uh, I want to make that, uh, that kind of Lord of the Rings week where watch all three Hobbits and all three Lord of the nice. Rings. Can uh, I just you say, need a week for can, that. Can I just say the New Beverly Cinema is this beautiful retro cinema ver- around the corner from where I live in Los Angeles. And the six weeks I happen to be here, it happens to be 90s month. So it's oh. Happy Madison oh. and films like that. Well, and Quentin Tarantino Cutthroat Island. What? I mean, yes, I'm not kidding. Well, it's like the worst month in Beverly Cinema well, that, history. That's Quentin Tarantino programming. 
it now because he um, when the, when he bought it, he'd actually I didn't realize this. He had owned it for a while, but he didn't have a hand in the program. He just kind of let Does he it program go. It? Now, yeah. But now he said there was a new article saying. I'm going to have more of a hand in the programming cool. of the New Beverly. I and love the New Beverly. I love it. Man. Clearly, love it. this is yep. one. When I'm I sure first moved to bits. LA, I I was so because <laughs> you move here and it was like I everyone s- goes to the New Beverly. Yeah, I saw yeah. Serpico there. Oh, like I saw, yeah, I mean, on just, 35 mil. Yeah, right. Like yeah. Stuff just yeah, exactly. Have you read Patton Oswalt's book? Uh uh-uh. uh It's about his life at the New Beverly. Uh, it's called Something of the Silver Screen, um, and it's about him watching films at the New Beverly. That's what the book is about. I just saw him yesterday. In Did fact, you? Uh, yeah, I talked to him. He's going to come on the show. His wife's writing a book right now. and But once, so he's taking care of their daughter. Right. So he said, once that's done, he's going to start going out and doing podcasts and stuff again. So he's, he's going to come oh, on and Graham, promote the book. You would love done. this book. It's because it's all about him just coming to Los Angeles. A oh, silver screen fiend le- learning about life from an addiction to film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And okay, he just cool. gets lost into the new Beverly system. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, when I moved... The, the, it, it's the, great. Yeah, when you it fir- is great. When you first Seats were here, uncomfortable, but it was great. Yeah. <laughs> but that's part of it. Yeah, it is. It's part of uh, it. You thing. move here because I, I remember when I moved here, I saw all these classic movies that I had only seen on VHS. Right. Yeah. 35 mil prints mm-hmm. on yeah. the big screen. It was just like... Yeah. like all of it, like Serpico, yeah. Dog Day Afternoon, mm-hmm. like the yeah. uh, when they re-released the Godfather movies, Apocalypse Now. Like right. it was just like holy shit. Yeah. Like my my girlfriend's theater company was doing a uh, in Sydney was doing a production of this musical that was based on the shop around the corner. And we got here, this was last time we were here, and they were showing at the New Beverly from 1935, Ernst Lubsch, the shop around the corner. So we got to go around the corner and yeah. see the shop <laughs> around the corner with James Stewart being all American and everyone else being from the vaudeville circuit, all being Hungarian Jews, having Hungarian Jewish accents and James Stewart being like, well, now that sounds okay. And it was hysterical. It's one of the funniest movies ever made. It was remade twice, uh, once as You've Got Mail and right. somewhere else around the 50s. And that's the kind of cinema it is. But also, just for people who don't get this, it's in the heart of Hollywood. So the guy sitting behind you might have been the costume designer right, on right. the film you're seeing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, that's who goes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's industry people who go. That's and they the, go like, oh, my God, I worked on that. I'll go see yeah. it. That's the one great thing about living in L.A. too is like we've got the Egyptian and we've got all these great, you know, mm-hmm. revival house film mm-hmm. um, that we can watch these old movies on the big screen. Even like the Dome would occasionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, the like Cinerama Dome. Yeah, yeah, the Cinerama Like the Arclight has like an Arclight screening series where they show mm-hmm. uh, old films. I, thought, I saw um, Singing in the Rain. Yeah, Not screen. It was mm-hmm. fantastic. Uh, uh, and uh, okay, so let's talk about uh, Into the Woods. Is also we, out on we need DVD. To? Can we just? Not uh, very good. Yeah, okay. It was. Uh, it was. You know. It was one of those. It was movies. great for people who liked the musical. And it was like I, I said this before in the review. It was much better than I thought it would be because watching the trailer. Um, if I were the director of this film, I would go and punch the trailer editor in the face. Yeah. I mean, that's because they didn't put the songs in it, right? Well, f- also, yeah, it, no it, idea it was a musical, they, right? Not, the um, that's the stupid. trailer. <laughs> the trailer showed a movie dumb. that didn't exist. The trailer right. was like this kind of overblown, overly dramatic, ridiculous-looking, kitschy thing, and it wasn't yeah. that. In fact, those overblown moments were actually in the film as uh, satirical. Like, so I was like, yeah, we know they're overblown. That's the whole point. This crazy prince who thinks he's, you know, incredibly yeah, The agony song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was, oh, my yeah. God. I, I, every once in a while, a trailer gets it so wrong. Uh, but it was, it was actually a lot better than I thought it would be. And, uh, but it's, you know, it's a great family musical. You're right. Kids can watch it. You, you can watch it. And it's It's, it's an fine. extremely authentic adaptation of that musical yes. onto the screen. But then 
Johnny Depp why, almost ruins it. He does. But why did they bother cutting a couple of songs? Like if they were going to just go authentic and basically go for the musical theatre crowd, which is what they did, why not put them all in? Well, that's you know, I'm sure that's Why some... cut nine minutes and therefore piss off all these bitchy musical theatre queens who will then bitch about it on, you know, Instagram right, and, right. And, and Twitter f- till the end of time there's, when there's, they could have just done the whole damn show. There's arbitrary decisions like that that studio executives make all the time just to justify their jobs. I don't know. That's, yeah. a, that's a great question. Partly it could be because James Corden, I don't think, was cutting it as the baker's <laughs> husband, you know, and it, they, yeah. they cut one of his major songs. And I just think he's the the world's biggest open mouthed actor at the moment. He's just like, he's just always staring at something with an open mouth. And if you're, I if never you're, believe that. And guy. if you're worried that Johnny Ugh. Depp isn't it too much, don't worry. He only ruins it for a few for one. Oh scene. my god, you haven't seen this film, Graham? No. Way. Okay, so everyone else who plays a non-human gets the full CGI. So the yeah. witch is a witch, and <laughs> the cat is actually played by a cow. The giant's a giant. And the giant is a giant, played by Francis Della Tour, but made into a giant. But Johnny Depp is dressed up like he's just come from the Chatswood Musical Society. Like he's dressed up he in- He walked off the set of cats. A, a zoot, like he, not yeah. even a zoot suit, but not even a full-on cat's makeup. He's got like a red nose and a bit of whiskers. Yeah. It's- <laughs> It's so ridiculous. Fucking crazy. It just, I, I, what the- and it's obviously, obviously, Chris, he asked for it. There's no question. He There's said, no question. I don't want to be buried under CGI. I want to wear this. Well, no, he wanted to be the wolf from the Tex Avery cartoon. Which makes no said. sense because Stephen Sondheim did not go to the Tex Avery cartoons no, for no. inspiration. He of went to the original not. source material yeah. so where that, it was a wolf. Yeah, <laughs> it's an act. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah. I think Johnny Depp has gone a little like he's George, crazy. George Lucas, Colonel Kurtz. Like yeah. He's gone no up the river. He's nuts. No he, and he's not coming back. No, no. He has yeah. a Montanaired army in the jungle yeah. and they're, it's... Well, that would be even more interesting than having a yacht in the Caribbean. <laughs> He's so far down that path, though, he wouldn't even know how to get back at this no, point. I mean, I mean did you guys gone. see Mordecai? No, I saw the, the movie poster offended me. Yeah, let's not go down that. Yeah, it's yeah. A four, I, uh, I put up a roadblock there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I was like, at first we were thinking, should we do a spoiler of no. Mordecai? Should we? Uh, <laughs> no. Should we both see it? And, and I'm like, you know what? Even as a joke, that's taking it too far. It's too and bad. also, your spoiler episodes, which I love. They're the most fun when you've seen the film and nobody saw Mordecai. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, it would be exactly. pointless. <laughs> Everyone had skipped that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we also have uh, Unbroken. Yeah, we talked about this when it came yeah, yeah. out. There's some okay performances, but Jack uh, O'Connell. Yeah, Jack O'Connell's good. And, and does he is he American or British? He's. I thought he was British. Oh, okay, right. Um, the the thing is, uh, yeah, as we said when the when the film came out, it it should have spent more time on after he got out of the war and how he dealt with his anger and resentment towards the Japanese, that specific officer. Well, you loved the Railway Man. Yeah, and you said that like, why bother post the Railway Man? do this film because this story has been done better with the redemption. I know the railway man, like if you want to watch unbroken, watch the first <laughs> hour of it and then watch the railway man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whether then, he actually gets to the enemy yeah. and they have the moment. Yeah. yeah. And then so. don't watch halo. <laughs> Trust me. I will yeah. not be watching. <laughs> so, uh, now let's talk about premiering this week. We got to talk about this movie. Get hard. Dear Lord in heaven. Now I, I really think, Every once in a while, I think like, okay, well, you know, the old Hollywood guard, they're getting older, they're on their way out, and... 
you know, things are changing. And then you see a movie like Get Hard, Get Greenlit. No, things are exactly the same. I don't know if this or Pixels will win the award for uh, worst movie of the year. I can't even... I, I can't because beer number three. <laughs> Can I say this about Get Hot? I believe that Kevin Hart's agent is brilliant because all he's doing is pairing him with superstars right. but always in second billing. So if the movie fails, Kevin Hart is fine. Mm-hmm. So it's Will Ferrell and Kevin Hart. I know as a fact, because I know my friends working on it, that his next film, Shooting in Boston, is with The Rock. The Rock is the only person who can guarantee a film opening at the moment. He's the biggest movie star on the planet, both literally and figuratively. (laughs) It's going to be The Rock or Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart. This is what Eddie Murphy did in Trading Places in another 48 hours. You know what I mean? It's the perfect career path because your second build, and if the movie does brilliantly, your quote goes Doubles or triples, but if the movie does poorly, your quote doesn't fall and you're still considered fine because it was the fault of the star and the director and not you. He is so smart and his agent is so smart and he's waiting and waiting and finally we will get a string of terrible Kevin Hart movies where he's the headliner, but until then he's making these films and that's all this is to Kevin Hart is just this is my Will Ferrell stepping stone. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I hate I, I, how much they've been promoting it all over uh, LA on the billboards. Well, here, here's here's the uh, Do we the really reason need the for that. The dorky white guy talking street again, like oh, I haven't seen the on. the television trailer because I can't bear to watch it. It's absolutely fascinatingly, um, like mind bendingly unfunny. Is but it going to be terrible? I've, well, yeah, yes. But here, here, <laughs> here's the thing too: you, you noticed um, that there's a huge marketing blitz in LA. It's on every, unbelievable. You know, it's on. Uh, uh, billboards and buses and Everywhere. here's the reason and if you're watching the ncaa tournament like i was this past weekend a little bit oh yeah. god because this movie yeah this movie is going to tank horribly no one so what oh, so they, they want to get do, everyone in on different day get one everyone in on opening weekend right so th- what happens is there's this huge marketing push just to get recoup some of the money that they know they're going to lose on a shitty film right so that's what you have it's like a last almost like a hail mary pass uh, yeah, for yeah, the yeah. uh for the uh, the marketing to actually get as much money as they can on opening weekend because they know on week two no one's going to see it it's done like yeah, as soon yeah. as word gets out about how unwatchable the film is it, it, it's done so but I don't know how movies like this and like movies like Pixels get greenlit anymore I really don't because they know audiences are savvier read we, Linda Obst's books you know we, this is we how want, they get, they yeah, get we want, uh, we want greenlit purely on the on the on the addition of right. Will Ferrell plus Kevin Hart equals twenty nine million on opening weekend, but that math yeah. is flawed. <laughs> of course, it is. It's, it's complete, it doesn't even fa- now. I will say because we saw the trailer for the movie Pixels and we talked about it on. We did a podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a current geek with uh, mm-hmm. uh, Tom and Scott. Is and Pixels like Pac Man attacking real people? Yes. Right. Pix- and what it is, it's like all the eighties, all the eighties cartoon, uh, all the eighties video games come and attack the planet. But our that planet is now. Defended by um, Kevin James and Adam Sandler. See your your smile, uh, just your frown. My smile turned into a frown. Yeah, turned into a frown. But here's the thing: Kevin um, James is he Paul Blart? Now, but also uh, directed too, right around the corner. Directed by Chris Columbus, so you know all, all already. No one involved. Oh my no god! So it's going to be skeezy and sentimental as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, maybe. That's my <laughs> that's my Chris Columbus vibe. Yeah, yeah oh. it's uh, and you watch the trail and you're like, okay, if you can't find one good joke in. Uh, the horror movie to put in the trailer, you're in a lot of trouble. You're oh, in a lot of trouble. Funny, I guess but, I have this Pac-Man in the sky. But here, I will say this. 
I will say this. If, I hope it's not meant to be scary. If, no, no. It's supposed to be this big, broad comedy. I'll tell you what it's supposed to be. Ghostbusters. A big, broad comedy in a Ghostbusters vein to also cash in on the nostalgia of people our age that we would actually go see. But guess what? People our age don't want to see Kevin James and Adam Sandler. No. <laughs> uh, but here, here's the one advice I'll give people uh, right now is this concept is actually based on a short film. And the short film yes, is Yes, which was a huge right thing. Yeah, and right, got this guy thing. this whole deal. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. yeah. And um, the, Not dissimilar to the guy who made Monsters. The short film is only mm-hmm. a couple of minutes long. But you know what? It's really fun. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's, it's a great it's idea. Just, yeah, it's a great idea. Um, and it's great in like two to three minutes. See so, that instead. Uh, so see that instead. And see it, you know, if you want to see it like 50 times. You're still better off. You're right. Actually going you to still see haven't gone to the movie. cinema page. Yeah. So it, it's really, um, it's a shame because I think in what the right hands. What a bunch of junk is heading yeah, our way. Yeah. In the oh right my hands, God. I think this concept could have been really kind of cool. Like if the right director got a hold of this, I think it could have been. Like just uh, go really find cool. 71 like, on VOD, basically. Yeah. This yeah. Week, if you'd watch you know, the watch. right director for this would have been Spike Jones. Spike Jones would of have been a perfect director uh, and, for this. And he would yeah. have cast it correctly, yeah. and you would have watched this and gone, I'm in. Yeah. Especially anyone <laughs> yeah. in our age group who played yeah. these games as kids would have been like, yeah. oh, yeah. this is uh-huh. going to be fucking great. Yeah. Every reference would be right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Spike yeah. Jones or Christopher Nolan would have been perfect on this. Christopher yeah. Nolan? <laughs> It's just this is just very serious yeah, alien it's, attack. It's about yeah, it's about eighties arcade. <laughs> Sorry, Hans Zimmer. That's my impersonation of your work. <laughs> All right, coming out to his home. That's meant to suck. Yeah, that's just some. It's <laughs> just some based on a short by DreamWorks. Yeah, the short was in front of Mr. Peabody and. People Sherman. who saw Mr. Peabody. Mm-hmm. I actually saw Mr. Peabody in Sherman. I had to review it. Um, it was good. Mm-hmm. It was okay. I haven't seen it yet, but I, I'm, pre- I'm hearing... I, I didn't look good to me, but I'm hearing good things. It that teaches say. history, yeah. so it's okay. cute. And you know. um, Now, Home, it's one of those... You know, I call them kind of shovelware kids' movies where they're just... <laughs> Shovel you know, it into them? Yeah, yeah well, it's a, it's a video ah. game term where you... you what they would do is they would create all these subpar video games just to fill the shelves to make a quick right. buck. And that's what these type of CG features feel like to me. Where From it's, DreamWorks. But yeah, from yeah. DreamWorks. They just, they're kind of throwing them together, not a lot of thought put into them. And sure. you also have like sloppy casting. Like a, a good example is Jim Parsons yes. as the, uh, as the uh, lead. And he's just doing Sheldon. It's like literally you're like, well, not just, uh, then you're just having him do what he does already on a tv show so it's not interesting it's not doesn't endear me to the character i just feel like oh that's sheldon doing an animated voice worse i understand that his character speaks essentially in yoda speak so the entire thing is like speak into the microphone will you you know it's like all that and like that's gonna get old within two seconds easily oh my goodness yeah and the next movie is uh, Serena. Now, this has uh, got some uh, stars in it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's got Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence, and it's a Depression-era North, in Depression-era North Carolina, the future of George Pemberton's timber empire becomes complicated when he marries Serena. Do you know the inside info on this? What if, I feel like this was supposed to be something big Oscar film, and it I know the inside info on this. Who's the director again? The director is uh, Suzanne Beer. Right. Okay, so Suzanne Beer, do you know her? She's an amazing Danish director. She's made some brilliant films, one of which, In a Better World, I think it was called, was my favourite film of 2013, I believe. I gave it my Movieland Award. 
Um, you know, she's just incredible. Then she made a, a, a stinker of a film with Pierce Brosnan that I really hated. Um, you're looking all this up now, Graham. And but she's Mama you know. Mia? No, I liked Mamma Mia. No, it was, but it was a rip off of Mamma Mia. Love is all you need. Love is all you need. Oh, that was uh, okay, a terrible got movie. It. <laughs> anyway, so she's made this film, and basically, what happened during the filmmaking was it was an ensemble drama, and both of those people, uh, Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence, mm-hmm. were way lower down the totem pole. And during the course uh, of okay. post, they rose all the way up and they recut the entire film to make it about them. So it went from an ensemble drama with them being two of eight to it being about them and supposedly they messed it up in the process. Wow. I have not seen it as a film critic. I cannot say that it's bad because I have not seen it, but I can report that I know that that is what happened. So you are not getting the original vision. You are getting a recut version that focuses on two characters where it was meant to be about an ensemble. Now it's, based was it, on, it's based on a, a 2008 novel. So do you think this was like studio notes? Was like, yeah, hey, we saw I think this. not only yeah. studio notes, I think studio, yeah. studio edit. Right. You know, I don't think she has Final Cut. Right. This yeah. was probably a Brazil edit. Yeah. yeah this, uh, there's a review on IMDb that goes, you took 18 months to do about two months of work. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it's been kept over for like two years. Oh, gotcha. And they've just hacked it up and they've made it a Bradley Cooper, Jennifer Lawrence film when it wasn't that ever. Right. The movie they weren't is- even the two lead in the book, you know. They were just part of a story. It's like taking Magnolia or The Big Chill and suddenly making it about two of those characters. Ah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and they're on the movie poster, the two of them. So I, yeah. I, this movie feels like they deliberately sort of buried it. I haven't seen much. It came much. out in Sydney like a year and a half ago. I mean, this wow. is, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm wow. amazed. I used to see it coming out now. So this yeah. is the Jimmy Olsen Lois Lane movie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Well, all right, guys. So premiering this week, uh, go get seventy one on VOD. Yes. Um, you'll be you'll be better off. But um, we have to talk about Furious Seven. Oh yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's coming out. Uh, it's not coming out this week. It's coming out April third. Um, mm-hmm. So we can let your next week guest talk about it. I'd just like to briefly mention my two cents. Yes. I love that series. It's great. It's so much fun. And I love the sublimely sublimated homoeroticism within it all. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's going to reach its apex in this because I I have not read anything. So, you know, our listeners, your listeners might instantly be like, oh, don't you know, guy, of course they're doing this. But I have not read anything. I'm deliberately avoiding anything until I see it. But I assume... I assume they're going to make Paul Walker's character die in a tasteful way. I assume Vin Diesel's going to weep. And when Vin weeps, I'm going to weep. Yeah. I'm I, going to that's weep. That's prediction? Yep. I, I'm going to weep. I'm going to be like, yep, because that, that film gets manhood friendship Better than any other action <laughs> film, you know? Jason I love it. He's the bad guy. The last one was so much fun. It's so ridiculous. Uh, uh, we're I love have it. Matt There's got to be another uh, runway in it. Oh, I hope so. Oh, no. Oh, Haven't you seen? I have seen a trailer. They they, they, they drop cars off planes. You're yes. Like, it's great. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, it's going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's because they had to top pulling the the. The, the the safe through the streets of yeah. Rio. Remember yeah. that in yep. five? Oh my God. That was the best thing I've ever seen. And that was real. That wasn't CGI. They did that, you know, because Rio's cheap. Lives are cheap. Yeah. <laughs> 
in Rio. I, uh, yeah, I'm excited for this. I think we're going to try to get Matt Meyer on the show to do a spoiler. <sighs> Perfect. Um, I'll come if I'm still here. I'd love to. I, it's because like I love that series. It, I, they have to have the same sound designer because in oh yeah. in in six or five, I don't know. It was like because they all blend together. Who cares? Well, they don't actually. They one is good, then two and three and four are like crap, and then five and six are brilliant. Yeah. But in either five or six, like finally you get to see Vin Diesel and The Rock fight, and that's what you've always wanted. Yes. And right. they fight, but then of course they sort of fall in love in that sort of mano a mano way. What you've always wanted was somebody to punch The Rock, uh, somebody to punch Vin Diesel. Yeah, and that's it's only really, going to be yeah. The Rock. It's only going to be The Rock. The Rock makes exactly. Vin Diesel look like a Yoda. Yes. You know, and, like, <laughs> and so like he beats him up. But anyway, so after that they go through three or things. So finally Vin Diesel is lying on the ground because he's been shot a couple of times by mm-hmm. police in the. F- in the, what do you call those slums? The fela. Favelas. The favelas. And so he's been lying there. <laughs> and like there's more people coming and they're going, and he's lying there. Going, and, and, and the rock realizes he's got to rescue him. So the rock goes over to rescue him and, and he goes, oh, oh, reach out. And so Vin Diesel reaches out like this and the rock comes down and their forearms clasp, you know. So yeah. you're going like hand to elbow, elbow to hand, forearms. And the sound designer literally uses the sound of a volcano erupting. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> as their forearms yeah. clasp and you're like yeah that's male friendship uh, at its burliest and then he gives him a ring yeah <laughs> i want to see the the rock was flexing the entire of course. For, during six, and I want yeah. to see that for seven. Yeah, it's like, but, right. but he was sweating the whole time. Do you remember? Just pouring sweat. Well, it's because all the shirts were too tight. Yeah, <laughs> he was holding a. He was holding. <laughs> no, no factory is capable of building a shirt <laughs> yeah. to house the rock. <laughs> My friend Paul is Paul Schneider is the is the second on his next film, uh, shooting in Boston with Kevin Hart, and I've just. I just, I just want every piece of information I can get. I just want to know how often he works out, how he constructs his day. Like, do yeah. you, do you work out in the morning, shoot, work in the afternoon, shoot, or do you just, are you just constantly like Jack? <laughs> <laughs> Pull up bar between everywhere. There are, there are three guys walking around pushing machines, <laughs> pushing, carrying weights. They're actually huge men carrying weights. So he could just grab them and go, bop, 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 <laughs> do some shoulder things. presses. Because how do you maintain that, you know? Oh, it's amazing. And d- are the cows walking behind him and chickens? Does he just grab chickens? Yeah, just like, <laughs> Raw protein. There is just protein <laughs> pouring into his mouth. Mouth like from like, behind. He's got like a Willy Wonka machine, yeah. but it's like protein. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, a bad, just, yeah. just raw amino, just branch yeah. chain aminos. He just feeds into everything. Like literally, if it takes going on too long, he he can call cut and yeah. take some protein and yeah. some aminos. Got one of those toothpaste tubes of just yeah. protein. Oh. It? Lest he loses a, a millimeter. Oh. Oh, he's Samoan. Can you Great. imagine if he had like protein patches? Like. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably what he does. Yeah, he he's the only arms. guy. Yeah. And he's got a guy who he pays a million dollars a year to to formulate protein patches. Yeah. And th- the reason he gets paid a million dollars a year is he sucks up all the already no, isolate way and puts it onto these no, no. patches. That's what those shirts are made of. Yeah. <laughs> His whole shirt is protein patch yeah, that he just absorbs. And that's why he's sweating all the yes, time. It's constant protein and yeah. aminos. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's what it is. His shoes that is, have his that is shoes. the only way he could possibly be that guy is yeah. that. His shoes have amino sponges in them. Yeah. So he's getting aminos through his feet and the protein pad no. shirt. 
you never see his feet. He's not wearing shoes. Yeah. He's yeah. got amino feeders yeah. pushing. <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 they cut small incisions into his feet and they're like... <laughs> Blowing aminos into his feet <laughs> through straws it directly into his bloodstream. Oh, this is amazing. Like every time he's in close-up, he's actually curling. Oh, <laughs> People. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Human beings. Yeah, who are oh. sucking. We're, we're going to get an email now tomorrow, and it's going to say, how do you guys know about the Rocks Regiment? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because how we spoke you know? to Chris Hemsworth <laughs> on Movie Land, and he told us they offered him the same thing, and he said no. <laughs> I'll just take it once a day, please, not yeah. five times yeah. a day. Yeah. I mean, surely all those guys. Yeah. You're are, not cutting the studios have a secret, and because, like, when you think of Schwarzenegger, he wasn't even what Chris Hemsworth is in the first Thor. When right. when when Chris Hemsworth takes off his shirt and the the comic girl goes, "Oh my god," you know that he's bigger than Schwarzenegger ever was, and Schwarzenegger was considered an outlier. Right. You know, and now that's the norm for that kind of movie. Yeah, yeah. And so you need The Rock to put, to actually be the biggest thing in, possible, you know? Because right. after The Rock, you only get to the actual, the Hulk CGI. Yeah, that's it. But that's yeah. what's next. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's do a uh, site spotlight. Yes. Uh, there's a great um, post on the message boards from James. He explains predestination on the message boards. Oh, can I just quickly say? So good of you guys to do a predestination um, spoiler alert. Uh, my circle, uh, the Film Critics Circle of Australia, the FCCA, we gave it uh, Best Production Design and we gave it Best Actress to Sarah oh, Snook. Great. Yeah, and it was great to hear your episode because that film deserves it and I hope so many more people across yes. the United States and Britain and Japan and all your audiences see it because it's a great movie it and is. it's a fascinating movie that was made within the Australian government-funded system yes. that is actually like what it is, a Heinlein adaptation. But it's, yeah. it's really yeah. amazing. And, and, and the response from it, like uh, a fan, James, is, is explains it on the message boards if you guys go. And what's great is you could literally read that entire post. It makes um, well-thought-out arguments. And you still may not be any clearer on the film as when you started. Yeah, well, <laughs> which is, I've seen which the film and I'm not going to discuss it with you because yes. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what makes it great because it's not convoluted and confusing and you're like, oh, this is fucking stupid. It's the right amount of, God, I don't know, yeah. that makes it intriguing and yeah. interesting. And where you can bring your own interpretations to the film. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, it's, it's really the Tinker fun. Taylor Soldier Spy of, yes. of low-budget science fiction. That's a great example. Uh, so so really great stuff uh, from James uh, on the message boards. And also uh, when the we posted announcing last week the episode 260 with Helen Hong, uh, we got some great um, uh, posts about uh, the um, what is it the uh, Kumiko the treasure hunter. Uh, so that was really cool. We've gotten some great uh, stuff about that. Uh, Takako Kanoshi is the office worker, uh, which is about and the actual office worker from Tokyo who was found dead in a field outside Detroit Lakes, Minnesota, on November fifteenth, two thousand one. Uh, who arri- they arrived in Minneapolis after, earlier in the month, traveled to Bismarck, then to Fargo. And, like, yep. the, because You're of- about to get into a spoiler alert about the movie because the truth in the movie, the movie's ending deviate. Ah. Yeah. Okay. But it's good to know. No, I, didn't, no, you, I didn't know that this movie I mean, spoiler is alert. It's, it's, it's based say, yeah. on a real thing that happened, which just sounds uh, intriguing to me. The jokes that were written about... When we were talking about, we were joking with Helen Hong about Samurai Accountant and all this stuff like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, uh, I think it was um, 
uh, Mitch McGrew in Oklahoma wrote, uh, you forgot she's going to do a, a streetcar named Kimono. <laughs> it's just like shit like that. I love the, when you guys post this stuff. Uh, Taylor Neal posted, uh, I got to see Kamuko the Treasure Hunter in the film festival, and it's an amazing, highly recommends it. So that's that's good to know. Um, and uh, yeah, several people posted uh, that um, Rafe uh, Scar... Sal Cedo posted that it was the real story and all that stuff like that. So that's really cool, guys. Love when you participate and give us more information on stuff like that, which no, is very really cool. awesome. It's and, the real story with the exception of the ending. Sure, yeah, sure. And um, we, I want to also point you guys to the website, comedyfilmnerds.com. CJ does a great written review of the Annie remake, um, spot on. And uh, I want to mention, too, Neil wrote a very lengthy review of uh, the documentary Scientology in the prison of, I can't wait to in see the prison of Belief. Oh, wow. He absolutely loved really? it. He also bought the book that it was based I've on. I've read that book. And, is this right. about the person that went undercover? Is that no, what? It's, it's, no, no, it's a comprehensive history of Scientology. But an exposure of a, a very, it. a yeah. very, um, a very detailed expose. Lawrence and Wright wrote the book called "Going Clear," and he was the guy who did the article with Paul Haggis in the New Yorker that led him to write the book that led this film to be made. Oh, yeah, wow. so it's and a, you just it's it's just it just says everything you know, which is it's a cult, 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 but it yeah. tells you everything. Neil was wow. saying it's pretty much it's chilling. It's you know he learned because Neil's been following Scientology for years too, and as it, an it, adherent and. Uh, <laughs> No. As a follower, no, Neil, no. come to me again. Uh, very much against it, and but he said even Neil, get a protein yeah. shirt, <laughs> get a protein. But he was saying, I'll take even, you to the Eastern Gym. It's a better coat. Even this documentary um, told him a lot of stuff he didn't know. Oh so yeah, there's I'm a sure. lot. It goes really in depth, and it's really frightening. And he has some choice words for Tom Cruise in the review as well. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, check that out on the site. And there's another good documentary around the hunting ground, which is about campus rape. That's also oh, in cinemas wow. at the moment. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, Just all right. Some it. good good docs out there, guys. So that's our episode. What a fun one. Wow. Uh, we learned covered a lot. a lot of movies. Yeah. About protein shirts. We learned a lot of we stuff. Did. Protein we did. shirts. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wick, if we all got one, could we sell them? Yeah. <laughs> Through the Film Nerds website. Pay attention, guys. We're going to have CFN uh, protein shirts uh, available soon. Uh, all right. So hashtag C- work it. Hashtag protein work it. Um, so, CJ, where can people please, find you, listen to your show? Please go subscribe right now to my podcast, Movie Land. We're up to about 105 episodes. It's awesome. It's through the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, and it's free on iTunes. Read my written reviews at filmmafia.com.au. The AU is for Australia, so www.filmmafia.com.au. Follow me on Twitter, CJ at CJ Sydney or at CJ Movie Land. And, or both and um, also you can join the Facebook page so just search for Movie Land and like it on Facebook and please do that now because I want you to join me now because I've got some really good episodes coming up including one with these guys thank you yeah guys it's a fun show and he gets access to a lot of great he gets a you get you get a lot of really big name stars on cool your people. show because yeah, they come cool through people. Sydney yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you, some you, great yeah. episodes he gets some great stuff uh, alright guys um check that out uh don't forget la podfest uh tickets available um and discounted hotel rooms at lapodfest.com and of course there's at la podfest you do get the sofitel yeah we're doing it the sofitel i've stayed at that hotel three times it's a great i love it yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's great it's got a great gym Mm -hmm. great pool great 
mezzanine level where all the convention stuff is. It's great. Yeah, it's everything's mm-hmm. on one. It's so much easier than the old hotel. Yes. We had such a great, they gave us a great deal again this year. So, you know, it's going to be more shows. We're locking down uh, big name shows right now as we speak. We'll yep. be able to announce pretty soon. Yeah, we haven't announced any uh, other shows yet, but we will soon. It's, it's got a great restaurant, great. And because it's a French chain, Every time they open the door for you, they say, Bonjour, monsieur. Bonjour, monsieur. And, and then you, that just makes you feel I know, better. I know. It's, <laughs> it's very European. It's awesome. The bathrooms and the rooms are yeah. great. Oh, uh, yeah, it's great. Everything's Some awesome. Good views, too. Yeah, good views. And it's in a cool neighborhood. If you guys, if you didn't come last year. Oh, it's in the best neighborhood. It's right between like everything. Wayho and Beverly yeah. Hills. Yeah, and there's the Beverly Center right there. Plenty of places yeah. to eat. It's, it's a great location. Um, so check that out. If I can come, I will. Please. There you go. Yes. Just come sold on. four tickets. Yeah. <laughs> 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 He's coming. Uh, all right. So, anything else, Chris? Yeah, I wanted to mention that uh, I will be at Podcast San Diego this Saturday, and I will be the uh, closing keynote speaker. And uh, if you guys still want to go, um, let me know because. We, uh, oh, you know what? No, go to the Facebook page. I'll post the coupon code again. You can get a half off. Okay. So anybody, because they gave us unlimited half off coupons, so you want to check it out. It's only one day. There's going to be a lot of great speakers there, and I'll be doing the closing keynote, and I'll be showing the earbuds trailer. <gasps> How long is the trailer? It's about, about two, two and a half minutes. Two and a half minutes. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, that's we're going to probably be releasing that trailer online in the next month or two. Yes, uh, as um, we get closer, as we get closer to releasing the film. So, and also, uh, you know, we'll be premiering earbuds at the podcast festival. So the whole film. Yeah. Yes. So buy tickets September. Plan. September 18th. Oh, so you've got a deadline. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Um, Self-imposed. Self-imposed. They're always the only ones that work. Yeah. Uh, So thank you guys so much um, for listening. I will be uh, April uh, 19th. I will be with Doug Benson in San Francisco on the 20th in Denver and on the 21st, as always, at the Wow Hall in beautiful Eugene, Oregon. As always, you're there every year on that date. Every day. We always go to the Wow Hall the day after 420. Cool. (laughs) It's it's a 420 post wrap up, whatever. I don't know. I love Eugene. Uh, So check all those out, guys. Uh, Of course, like the Facebook page. Uh, positive reviews, a bunch yep. of cool things you can do. Tell your friends about the show. And I'll be posting the coupon code for uh, Podcast San Diego. I think it's Meetup50, but I'm not sure. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll post it on the Facebook um, page. So good for as many tickets as you want. Thanks, guys, so much. Thank you to our guest, CJ Johnson. My name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. As always, remember, Han, Han shot, shot first. first. Protein shirt. <laughs>